0: For Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose, I'm Ken Beaulieu. Can a company be truly purposeful if its leaders struggle with their own sense of purpose? It's a thought-provoking question, but to the co-owners of Plenty Consulting, the answer is a resounding no. Indeed, Jennifer Mulholland and Jeff Shuck have built the business in part around the conviction that the old system of win-at-all-cost achievement and top-down management isn't sustainable. They believe that leaders today must clarify their passions and what they sincerely value. And in doing so, they can be a more powerful presence in the workplace and drive a purpose strategy more authentically. When people thrive, Jennifer and Jeff say, performance follows. To discuss this important topic in more detail, I am joined by both Jennifer and Jeff. Before becoming co-owner of Plenty Consulting, Jennifer was Chief Innovation Officer at SunGuard, a Fortune 500 tech company. Her mission is to elevate consciousness in leaders, teams, and communities. Jeff is a lifelong coach with deep experience in leadership development and social impact strategy. He co-founded the fundraising firm Event360, raising nearly a billion dollars for charity over 12 years. Jennifer, Jeff, welcome to the podcast.
1: Great to be here.
0: Terrific. So Jennifer, I'd I'd like to start with you. You both believe that there are five fundamental keys to a purpose-driven organization. They are strategy, leadership, well-being, community, and funding. Well-being is one area that you rarely hear discussed in any kind of purpose conversations. Why is that, and why is it so important?
1: Yeah, it's actually the heart of the organization if you think about it, because people make up the organization. And if people are not healthy, happy and well, the organization cannot be so too. Mm -hmm. So we really place a lot of emphasis on being well. And that means physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, Um, at the simplification of the idea is that when you are well, when you have innate well being, which we all do, you have vitality you have energy, you have life force running through you that helps to propel you forward using your skills and talents and being able to follow your passions, you know, what you care about and why you care about it, channeling that to the organization that you work for or the cause that you're leading. And the opposite of that is when we have lower well-being, when we have burnout, when we're fatigued, when we're tired, when we're overwhelmed. You can just feel in yourself, you don't have the capacity to give it all, right? To whatever you're doing and there's such an interconnection between the business brand and the organization and the people that make it up. And so the business or the organization can't really be well in its own macro entity if the Mm. individuals are doing too much, if they're um, not supported in the best way, if they are on the brink of burnout and overwhelm. So we really help leaders and organizations find what being well to them looks like and feels like and ensuring that the employer and leaders of the business are taking it seriously because it's not a fluffy thing. It's literally the engine, the mm. life force, the vitality, the resources that can propel the organization to do what it's here to do.
2: I love that you said fluffy and can love that you started with this question, but I think... Jen, speaking to an evolution that we've lived through a, and hopefully in a small way helped helped create. You know, 10 years ago, we would talk about well-being and you could see the eyes rolling and you could see where we ended up getting slotted on the speaker circuit, right? Or, or in the conference schedule. It's like, okay, the, you know, we need the fluffy time later. Our hope is, and, and our own experience, is that business leaders are waking up to, the crisis that's happening all around them and that, that in, in part that we've all probably had a part in creating right you know especially after the last two years where everybody at least in in the businesses we work with has actually worked harder right there nobody was sitting at home they were working at home and working probably longer hours with with absolutely no interaction with anyone else and the reward of that is to be asked to do it again in some cases for the third year. So there's, a, there's an absolute crisis of well being in this country right now. And when people have lower faith in government than they've ever had, most people come from a broken home, fewer people than ever belong or identify with a religion, all of the traditional institutions that used to, to take care of that well being aren't around anymore. And mm-hmm. business is the entity that we're looking to. So it's been fun for us to see that in the five things you named at last, it's been interesting over 10 years to see that move to the front of the list. And we're working with leaders now who are saying, my people are so burnt out, we can't push any more change through the system. Yeah. What do we do? Right.
1: And I would, I would just add one other comment mm-hmm. for the context that Jeff shared that's really helpful. And it's really the heart of our ethos is this idea that you don't live a personal life and a professional life. We all live one life and we are that common denominator. So before COVID, it was much easier to compartmentalize your look what you dressed when you went to the office, for example, how you behave at the office, right? And maybe you change out of your work clothes and into your casual, you know, workout clothes or comfy clothes at home, and you kind of take off the masks and then you do what you really want at home. Well, those days are completely over. We were actually, we were talking about this a decade ago about this kind of new paradigm coming, but COVID just put the crescendo on it. And you have people, half the workforce now working from home, those lines are completely bl- blurred. So, when we think about being well or well being and why it's so important, is that if we can take that construct off that we have to be one way at work and one way at home we drop a lot of energy that we're carrying to hold ourselves different in both places mm-hmm. and we can just be ourselves we can be so much more authentic and when we offer that to our organizations and causes and movements and community and the planet when they get all of ourselves the best of ourselves then we create a better world we create a better cause a movement an impact
0: mm-hmm. and
1: when we don't we we kind of we settle for something less than I think what we're designed for. What
0: is what is the reaction from leaders who go through your training and workshops to this perspective that you have here? Well, in, in certain ways it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling
2: prophecy, Ken. Because mm-hmm. you know, we're we're loud and proud on our website, and that's something that we've learned in our own marketing over time. We used to say we we had the Trojan horse where we'd kind of sell You know change management but you'd actually get well-being and we realized that doesn't work right you get a bunch of people grumbling about why they're talking about well-being if you do that so so more and more we're getting people who are seeking something different and that's the first thing they tell us is we've tried other things and it hasn't worked you know we don't need another another day of you know hearing someone prattle on to us about values we actually need to connect with each other so the first thing i think we we experience is just a a settling like you can see people's shoulders start to drop you can see people lighten up and and that's like jen said that's accelerated over COVID, where people haven't had even open time to communicate with each other right we all tried to do you know zoom happy hours for three months until we realized this sucks so like just people getting together having open space to connect, you know, being in a place where it's safe enough. We say, we, we're we not trying to challenge your comfort zone. We're trying to expand it, right? We're trying to make it safe enough for you to share things with people you work with that you might not otherwise. And I would say in a day and a half, two days, we go from kind of relaxed at ease to people really saying, I've been missing this. You know, I'm coming home again, wow. is, a, is a quote. I feel like we hear a lot. I'm. You've reconnected me. It's always been here. I lost it a little bit, but you helped me find my way back. I think
1: people start to see the value of slowing down so they can speed up later. I think Mm -hmm. we have a bit of a crisis with a lot of people on too many hamster wheels. We're included in that. We don't have it right. But the pace of life, the pace of business, Mm -hmm. the multitasking, the demands, the responsibilities in our jobs they're real and it's a lot, especially if you're a parent or have partners or running community engagement, we're all into a lot of different things. So mm. when people can be removed from that hamster wheel environment mm-hmm. and take the time to slow down and really tune into themselves and integrate their intellect and intuition, and their smart head and their wise heart, and we blend a lot of that together, then magic happens and they start to see more of the wholeness of who's, who they are, which is what well being is about. It's about being whole mm-hmm. as much as it is being healthy and happy. And unfortunately, I think in the past, business has really rewarded one side of that the mm-hmm. intellect. Mm -hmm. Right. Or the masculine nature of all of ourselves. And we miss out on talking about and harnessing the intuitive, the knowing, the quieting, the wisdom in the room, listening to each other. So there's a lot of juiciness in that place that we see when people take the time out for their teams to hear what's really going on beyond the job description, beyond the role that we're all playing in business. Who's the human behind the scenes? And then when we can get to know that person outside in the team or within ourselves most importantly, we unlock something that can be made efficient when we go back into our work environments or causes or organizations Mm -hmm. we're leading.
0: So Jeff, one of the one of the core offerings of Plenty Consulting is this whole development of conscious leaders. I'd like you to define what what a conscious leader is to our audience, and then what values do these leaders have in common. There's three things that we talk about
2: when we talk about what conscious leaders are, and in. And this is our like jen said earlier these are the clothes that we wear they might not all fit for you so we're going to invite people to kind of try them on for size but we boiled it down to three things and the first is the uh, incredibly basic definition of consciousness which is i'm aware right am am i am i sleepwalking through life or am i actually awake to what is happening in my life and honestly for a a lot of us this takes a couple decades to figure out am Mm -hmm. i just aware of the world around me. Am I aware? Is there a little bit of a distance between my thoughts? Like Jen calls it the observer mind. Do I can, I, can I see that I'm not always the person who's running this set of stresses and worries and wants and needs that awareness. And that awareness is really, really key. And I would say kind of 90% of it is getting that awareness. Once you get awareness, we get to the second thing, which is alignment. Mm-hmm. So if I'm aware of, of who I am and what I really want, are my actions aligned to that? And most of the people I would say that we work with are kind of, I'm aware, but I've realized I'm not aligned, right? The classic example is I, I've woken up, I'm 45 and I'm in a career I hate, but at least I'm aware enough to know that now, right? right, right. But now I need to make some decisions about, so am I going to sleepwalk through another 30 or 40 years, or am I going to make some choices that... Are actually aligned with what I want. And that leads us to the third thing, which is once I'm aware, once I can start to be aligned, then it's about being intentional. It's about making choices that are aligned with the awareness of who I want to be. So it's an active process, right? And we would say that conscious leadership kind of isn't a isn't a noun, it's an adjective, right? It's it's a walking, it's a becoming. There's always there's, we take three steps forward and two steps back and there's learnings and there's practice over and over and over, sure. but it it revolves around those three
0: elements. Mm-hmm. Jen, I, I have to ask, do you find that the younger generations have a greater awareness of themselves than do,
1: mm-hmm.
0: let's say boomers, for example?
1: Yes, I would. I think the younger generation is coming into a time of humanity where there's so much information that's accessible and that's coming at them in Mm -hmm. different forms. So their mind is like a sieve. And I see it in my 17-year-old and 11-year-old, like how I process information, even though I think I'm quick and sharp and multitasking and been in tech, it doesn't hold a candle to how they are able to connect the dots. And some of that is absolutely comes from awareness. I think there's... That, so there's a lot of hope and it's how we're adapting as a human species because everything's speeding up so we're learning new skills to take in more information right. to digest that information to distill it and then to align okay what do we do with this information now what information is helpful what information is hurtful does it expand us or does it contract us so all of those things are kind of wrapped up when we talk about becoming more aware. It's really becoming aware of the physical body's instruction or Mm -hmm. immediate knowing what's on or off for you. And as adults, I would say, I mean, I'm almost 50. Jeff's recently turned 50 and would say that that has taken longer um, to practice. And I think the younger generation kind of, I'm speaking generality here terms, but kind of come into that way but of listening to the cues, because we've, we've been disconnected from this incredible cue or compass that gives us information all the time about what's on or off for us. So it's really exciting to train conscious leaders and help them become more aware, not only of the cues that come in and like coincidences or signs or a random person calls you on the phone Or, you know, you see numbers, or you notice something in an email differently that day, and not looking at it as random, but looking at it as actual cues that help elevate your awareness. And then what do you need to do with that? Mm -hmm. Does it inform you to take a different action or make a different choice
2: right i would say though i'd say it, i'm so interested in hearing your your response to that jen because i do think and this is the wishful thinking of being on the other side of 50 there's a lot of old dogs learning new tricks and there's no substitute for wisdom there's this great quote from a.a milne who wrote winnie the pooh that i love which is wisdom or good judgment comes from experience and experience, well, that comes from bad judgment. And there's something just about, you know, being enough laps around the track that you've made some mistakes. And I I haven't really enjoyed that part of our work. We actually just hosted a couple of weeks ago, we did a retreat with a former senator, six uh, five-term senator who's was ambassador to China and has brought his whole team and you know this is someone with 80 years of practice of learning to listen and learning to trust himself and learning not when to trust himself and i sure hope it's getting easier to be an older person in this society there there's the wishful thinking but there's something there too that we really enjoy mm-hmm. of someone who can look back and say i've made some mistakes and this is what i've learned from them that's mm-hmm. incredibly powerful
0: jennifer i want to go back to you when it comes to tackling purpose initiatives why is it so critical that leaders clarify what they truly care about?
1: Because it's all connected. That's the simplest, straightforward. Mm-hmm. I think we, we get into a trap thinking that it's not. But as leaders, we've seen in movements made, you know, magic happen when we extract the cares of the people who are involved with the cause. And it it goes to shifting an approach from the top-down, hierarchical, patriarchal, Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you what to care about, and you're going to somehow find your way in justifying and making a case for caring about that thing, Mm -hmm. which we all can do at times. But what's more powerful is if I really listen to you, where do you naturally lean in? Where do you light up? What do you really give a shit about? and I can put, extract that and listen on the executive team or in the boardroom or in the employee you know, management team mm-hmm. and put that in the soup, then everybody is heard and can find the, the purpose of the organization or the renewed purpose of the path or the strategic plan that comes from the inside out, not the top down or outside in, if you will. Right. When people can see that they have a place in that contribution, again, we are wired, our innate state is to contribute. And we want to contribute. We don't have to tell anybody to contribute. We're all just finding where can we be aligned enough so that comes out in um, a really purposeful way. But when an organization asks their people what they care about, it's almost like lighting a torch. Because that passion that's centered in the heart, passion cannot be manufactured, we do not believe. Like Mm -hmm. I can't really tell you what to be passionate about. But if I can align to what you are naturally passionate about, now that has momentum. It has energy. It has a spark. It has fuel. And it ignites every other area if we can really get clear about what do the people care about And then how does that relate to the brand or the organization or the company or cause, if you will, what's the common ground of that care? And it's amazing when we start from that place, then you don't have to make a case about why people should care about it because it's, it's natural. They see themselves in it Mm -hmm. and then they're more motivated to get to work and to get Mm -hmm. it done and to ground that passion.
2: You've made the organizational case. I wanna go on the other side and say there's another reason too. I mean, absolutely the team performance, the company performance, the morale, all of that increases if we're aligned on things that are were truly authentic to us. There's another side of it that's equally important, which is at a certain point, why would you spend your own time on something that's not it's not valuable to you? Right. You know, and right. And that's a that's a more vulnerable conversation, but it's often a conversation we end up having with a CEO or maybe a a founder who's now 20 years into the business and it's not feeling the same. And you know, there's so I think one of the things we love about our work is like working with these large organizations and these high performing teams, but making this change that is personal for people. You know, you only have so much time. And why on earth would you trade your passion for someone else's money, right? You know, there's just no need to do that. And I think when you start to open people's eyes a little bit, like, well, what if you didn't have to do that? You know, what if you could align how you made money with what you really cared about? And maybe you wouldn't even have to leave your company. Maybe you can just do it right here. It's, it's really transformative for people. And I, I think some of our most rewarding success stories are the organization has changed, the growth trajectory has changed, and people come back and say, I'm so much happier, mm-hmm. right? And that, that last piece is the kind of the piece that right. you right. end up feeling.
1: Because passion about. creates fulfillment. I think that's what, right. when we feel right. fulfilled, when we feel like our, our passion is, is being channeled, we have a place to put it, it's that creative force it's that life force to be honest that lives in all of us, then we are purposeful. Right. So that's the, the means to create a purpose-driven organization Correct. is really consider and slow down and think about and create space for your team to find what their passions and purpose are and that will contribute to the passion and purpose right. of the brand.
0: Hello, Beyond Profit listener. If your business is finding it challenging to define its purpose, I encourage you to download Discovering Brand Purpose, a complimentary playbook from the ANA Center for Brand Purpose. This robust playbook provides valuable advice from purpose experts on how to uncover the why of your business and ensure it's authentic and sustainable. You can download the playbook at ANA.net slash brand purpose. That's ANA.net slash brand purpose. Now, back to the show. So if a, if a conscious leader's passion does not align with the passions of the workforce for whatever reason, can you find a workable solution around that?
1: Yes, I think you can. Often it's timing. I think a lot of the writing on the wall is that it's not really a sustainable plan. Right. Passion is sustainable. Purpose is just sustainable and it's scalable. Not everybody wants to get clear on these I'm not aligned with my passion and purpose here and what I'm doing, leave at that exact time because Mm -hmm. it's not possible or it's not appropriate given financial situations or a dynamic that, you know, comes in that they're weighing that it's just not the right time. Mm -hmm. Um, in those cases, it's like, we give advice of find purpose and meaning in other places that fill you up. So you're not running dry. Like, so Mm -hmm. it's being met in a hobby, And Maybe you start a side business. Maybe you channel that passion and purpose at family at home because it's part of us that needs to be nurtured and nourished. And so then you get to decide. It's all conscious choice. It's about being intentional. When are you ready to make a change? That may be today. It may be in a month. It could be three years, 10 years from now.
2: I would say, though, Kim, this is a surprise because I think you know, a decade ago, we thought, wow, we're going to find a lot of, you know, organizations where there's just a cultural mismatch and different values and hidden right. values and people don't get along and like, and that's broken culture. And, and that, look, that is out there. There's no question that's out there. But of more often than not, it is not that there is um, a mismatch of values or passions. It's, it's no one has spent any time finding any common ground between people and so and you can i'm sure you hear all the time about we can we can all imagine the typical tensions you know operations and marketing they never get along and finance and sales they never get along no one sat down particularly at organizations that are 30 50 80 100 years old to say hold on what connects us together and that that goes back to the process jen was talking about of literally getting people to talk about things that are important to them personally. Like, let's just put the business aside. And again, Mm -hmm. people will roll their eyes and we'll get the jokes about Kumbaya and we'll get the jokes about trust falls and we've heard them all, but just trust us, just stick with us for an hour people and see what happens. And all of a sudden you have these people who we were told those two people will never get along and one of them's gonna to have to leave. They find out they have 10 things in common that they never knew about. And you start to put those together and you say, we actually have way more to be aligned about. And then it gets really easy to talk about why sales needs to fill out better reports for finance and why finance can maybe relax the due dates for the reports they need every month, right? But we get so gummed up in the stupid content and it and it builds up over time. No one's bothered to say where did this. Why are we even arguing about this? So I think I do think that that's like really good news in the long term for leaders. It's less about I have this I have this set of people who just don't belong here, and more about can you slow down and talk to each other and find out what might connect us together.
1: And the alignment of those values are. They're not varied. I mean, we all care about the same thing. They may have different words, but often we may be talking about five different values or 10 different values. You know, we're not talking about we have different words for them but when you when you organize them they're into these themes as human beings we all kind of care about the same thing mm-hmm. and so what we do is to jeff's point when we can create alignment in our purpose driven strategy process or in our leadership development or with culture and teams Literally mountains move. It's like the old cliche of a flock of geese, you know, flying in formation. When there is alignment, you can go far. You can do it with ease. You can find flow. And so all of those kind of elements of alignment, we're always looking for that common ground and using personal vulnerable questions that help team members and executives share more than they're usually comfortable with in the business environment Because if you don't, you miss the opportunity of the connections Jeff was just talking about.
0: You mentioned your retreats in the the workshops, et cetera. Can you just talk a little bit about the benefits to, especially to executives who are really spearheading the purpose-driven strategies at organizations? Yeah, I'd I'd love to. I appreciate the question. I think um, one thing I want to start with
2: is, I mean, we're already talking about the benefits, right? About slowing down, about taking some time to connect with people, about making sure that what you're putting into the world is actually what you're here to put into the world and it reflects your best work and all of those things. there's a couple other things that that I'd mention. Six or seven years ago, Jen had the idea of, we need to have a facility. We need to have a place for people to come. And that led to us building out a retreat center in Park City, Utah that we call HeartSpace. And the idea was you can't think big when you're, down the hall from your admin, like you know, great ideas don't happen at you know pouring pouring a third cup of coffee in the break room, right? Right. Great ideas happen when you're out jogging, or when you wake up in the middle of the night, or when you're in the shower, or wherever. So, how do we create a place where people can come that feels like home, but completely lifts them out of the environment? Mm-hmm. And it it seems like a small thing, and it is not. Heart space is the biggest home field advantage that that any strategic planning ever had, because it people come into it with only what they bring. And there's literally nothing there. It's it's comfortable, there's couches, looks nothing like a boardroom they're used to. They're expecting like the projector, there isn't one, right? They're like, the couches really invite you to sit in. And all of a sudden the conversation gets really intimate. And and, and then by the end of three or four days, the walls are full of writings and flip charts and all of that stuff, which we bring into play. but. The one benefit is just perspective, right? Is getting out of the office, and that was a benefit before COVID. Now it's it's amazing how many groups that three or four years ago we had to convince them. Eh, it's you no know, trust us, you know, fly to Utah. Now we 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 can't keep up with people who want to come there the 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 benefit of perspective the benefit of looking things at things differently the benefit of aligning team members who might not usually be in one room around something and as jen said building from the ground up a lot of the process is instead of top down three people go into a boardroom with powerpoint for a day and a half you know in palm springs and tell 300 people what the strategy is what if you did it differently what if you ask 300 people what's important to them? What if you surfaced opportunity? It's amazing, by the way, when you survey a team of 300, 400, 500, 1,000 people, the business ideas you get, the marketing ideas you get, the creepy crawlies that come under rocks that have been hidden. Mm-hmm. What if we surfaced all of those and got representatives of all of those divisions and departments together and they, we trusted them to create something? And yes, executive team, you get to be involved too. But that benefit, like people support what they help create, and I think that is one of the biggest benefits of taking some intentional time crafting from the ground up and getting something that is really, um, you know, when you build from the inside out, it's just like your body, when you have a strong spine, everything follows, right? And, And if your spine is weak or you slip a disc, no matter how great you look, you feel awful same exact thing here when you can build it from the inside out it's so powerful so that was maybe a longer answer than you wanted and i haven't let jen get a word in edgewise but we're excited about the process as you can hear the only thing i would
1: just add that i think is really unique is that we use nature as a tool um i'm calling in from heart space right now and out my window is park city mountain resort and we're surrounded by you know the some of the best mountains in the world right outside our door and we have hiking paths and a hotel right next door and we do love nature ourselves and we use it as a tool because when we can create open space we clear the mind and we 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 make room for insight to come forth insight in what we're hearing being shared with each other. Insight and wisdom that bubbles up from our own body and being. And oftentimes when we're moving too fast or we're running our to-do list or leading and managing in our normal environments, it's harder to create that space. And what nature does is it Allows us to slow down and tune in and connect with this larger force, whatever you name it to be, that we can then allow ourselves to just hear and see what wants to come in for this renewal, this renovation, this new uh, product or service we may be embarking on. Or, you know, what's the world post COVID look like now? How do we show up in the world? What changes? And so you definitely see nature as a major tool. In heart space, we consider her a team member. She does a lot of lifting for us, and we set it intentionally. We clear the energy. There were positive affirmations written on the walls before we painted, and so many other things that we can talk about at another time. But this space is sacred, so that the moment you come in, you start to de-stress and you start to leave the noise at home. And what is on offer when we do that is pretty powerful.
0: Mm -hmm. Jennifer, I'm gonna stay with you. I I had mentioned at the top that funding is is one of the hallmarks of a purpose-driven organization. Can you just talk about the importance of aligning with finance? Because I think that often gets lost.
1: It's so important because if you think about money, money is a resource. And we have to have resources to source the well, if Mm -hmm. you will, to be able to source the purpose or the vision. Um, Some people call money energy, and it's not just a form, but we have to have it to be able to grow. And so oftentimes what we love to do and need to do is, as conscious leaders, is ground this beautiful vision of purpose possibility that's channeling our passions with a path to profitability mm-hmm. right with a path to be able to resource the the vision if you will to right. to sustain the people that make it up and it has to be an area that we focus on and I'd love for Jeff to comment on this cuz you know he has a lot of expertise in predictive analytics and finance and one thing that we talk a lot about though is often we reverse the priority and in plenty's opinion if we don't have a clear sight of what success looks like first if we don't know what we deeply care about if we don't have a measurement of knowing when we're on or off that vision and purpose if we put money at the top like most organizations do, I guess is what I'm trying to say, as the top priority, this is the B-HAG. this is the budget, this is your goal, et cetera, then we miss the, we're kind of, we're, we're misplacing the priority. Right. If we're super yeah. clear about passion and purpose and possibility, the money will follow if we are aligned to that. Mm-hmm. But if we put money at the top, for most people money does not the motivator it's not the give a shit mm-hmm. so that it kind of demoralizes organizations departments and managers but there's an art in we're not saying you don't focus on it we're saying if you can get the other things right then we also put into the mix let's quantify success what's the fundraising goal are we aligned to that? Sometimes in the room we have a spectrum when we ask that question, of fifty million dollars to three, and it's such a gap between the people in the room of what success looks like. So, money is so important. Funding is so important because it's really help us, helps us sustain that passion purpose and possibility but we do a lot of work to make sure that it's not the top motivator and it's not the top focus but it's in the mix
2: i'll quickly tag on i think i love the point that you know money is a tool and it's not the means to an end and often when we're working with organizations that have gotten off track it's because they reverse that and so they (laughs) it's not about building a great product right it's it's been about top line or, or we've lost sight of, you know, stewarding our customers, it's because it's all about margin growth. And so just getting the the mix right and looking at revenue or sales or margin as a tool to something else is really important. But there's something else I want to say that goes back to what we said at the beginning, which is I hope people listening can see. we. We are huge proponents of business, and more than that, would say we need business mm-hmm. in the in the social purpose area. We need business more than ever because there are just things that you you are never going to ask, be able to ask people to donate to, and you're never going to be able to legislate to happen. And so, would just say first off, you know, as as business people ourselves, we, one of the reasons we want to come on this podcast is because of your audience of business people. And so that's one. That's the preface. I spent a lot of my career kind of on the on the side of the equation that says, "Look, if you get social purpose change agents access to the tools of commerce, something powerful will happen." And and we believe that, and we do a lot of work with nonprofits and a lot of work in the social purpose sector. Mm -hmm. But through that work, we started to think about the opposite. Wait a second what if you got people who already have access to the tools of commerce the motivation of purpose what if you what if you inst- what if you did it the opposite way right instead of like wow trying to get these these wonderful social purpose en- entrepreneurs like 1 million dollars so they can that works wonderful right but you know there are a billion 10 billion 100 billion dollar companies that can make significant movements in, the, in, in, in positive change if we just inject them with a tool that's called passion or the tool that's called purpose. And that became, I think, a, a real interest of the two of ours. Mm-hmm. Of, and there's And again, not to take anything away from the nonprofit sector or the social change sector, that's important work and we love doing it, but it's really interesting to think about it differently. And if you can get people who already have access to funding, and capital and the, and a customer base and you can get them to think just a little bit of their time about a better world. It's amazing what happens and we need those actors right now. We need them. Right. You know, We need Ford and Chevron and Amazon to be
0: thinking about a cleaner environment and better working conditions. What's your advice for brands that want to take a stance on an issue, weigh in on an issue?
2: First of all, we need your voice. That's what I would say. We need the voices of brands, um, nonprofit, for profit, you know, jurisdictional, governmental. We need you to speak up, but we need you to speak up in a way that that is meaningful for you. And and I think that's sometimes scary because it feels like you know, there's this set of things that we all know you say and you don't say, mm-hmm. and I think we're. I would lean people into something that's maybe broader than that in that to Jen's point, finding what's authentic to your team, first of all, to you as the marketer, finding then what's authentic to the tradition of your brand and where you want the brand to move because brands are allowed to change and evolve. What's authentic and resonant with your customer base. And then where can you add a, diff, a, a difference, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I do think we need action that's beyond a, changing the image on your Instagram. You know, honestly, we would recommend brands think, okay, well, what what's specific and true to us that we could really help with, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a war in, in Ukraine right now. It's tragic. There's a lot of ways to help. The Instagram post helps a little bit, but like where could you go that's maybe more authentic to your brand that you could like specifically Mm -hmm. get involved you know i'm a beverage company and we're specifically delivering liquid to slovakia to help okay now that's that's specific that doesn't help everybody but it helps some people and then not always trying to run to get all the credit for that right sometimes we let we let our our brand speak for ourselves a lot of times, and that's why we have a brand, and we can let our actions speak for ourselves. So I guess there's probably a tighter curriculum here, but it's you know, be authentic, find a way that's true for you, and find a specific way to help. We're beyond the need for platitudes. Everybody's got one now. So the, the people listening have tools that can really be brought to bear in a considered way. You don't have to do everything, I would encourage you to do something. To
1: wrap it up from the beginning of of your lovely question of how we would define a conscious leader, that first part is awareness, being aligned to ourselves and to the outer world, and then being intentional with our choice. As it relates to the question, I would add to the list and coaching that Jeff just gave, is be really intentional with your focus. Mm -hmm. Because where we focus our attention, we feed. Where we focus, we form. So if we're focusing on the war, we're feeding the war. We we feed wherever we place our attention. And so if the opposite of war is what the end result, what success looks like, we want it to stop, then we need to start talking about behaving like, embodying, acting with peace with love, with acceptance. It sounds so silly, but when we started the war on drugs, guess what grew? Statistically, drugs went rampant. We fed it. Same thing goes with cancer, right? The war on cancer. We have more cancer now than we ever had. And so we are really intentional when we're talking to brands about where are we focusing? Are we? Tr- are we do we have not In our language of a strategic statement, for example, because wherever we are languaging to, we are building, we are growing. And so it sounds may sound silly, but it's really an important checkpoint to say, okay, what is that? What's the highest possibility on offer for Mm -hmm. our contribution to, you know, world health, to the healing of humanity, to global civilization, to helping Mother Earth and the planet, you know, survive and thrive, and orienting our behavior in an authentic way we can contribute to a better world, ensuring that we're focusing on the right thing, and we're not just getting caught in the marketing of the fear-based consumerism that is rampant, that gets us to buy more, do more, and focus on fear, you know, which is the opposite, I think, that any one of us want to grow. We don't want to grow more fear, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to grow more war. We want it to stop. And so challenging and checking ourselves of where our focus is, and how we're languaging that is really an aware, aligned and intentional choice that comes down to each one of us to make.
2: I think you just gave us a quick a framework, I love it. Less purposeful marketing, more marketing your purpose. Get clear on your purpose
0: and let people know about it. Such great perspective. (laughs) Jennifer, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me on Beyond Profit, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, you, Ken. Very thoughtful questions and it's a privilege to be here.
0: Appreciate you, thank you. To learn more about Plenty Consulting, please visit plentyconsulting.com. That's plentyconsulting.com.